1 John chapter 2 and um, verse number 15. The Bible said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, take the word of God, and help us to have listening ears these next few moments. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm not preaching this message because it's uh, not something that you have not ever heard before, but I was just praying this afternoon. I didn't come or plan on preaching this message yesterday, but uh, this afternoon the Lord just laid it upon my heart, and so I want to be sensitive. Only God knows what we need these days, but I think the Lord is doing uh, work in our church, and I want to preach a few minutes tonight on the waywardness of worldliness, the waywardness of worldliness. I know that we're living in a very uh, worldly time, and I know that we live in this world, but as you've heard it said so many times, we're not to be of this world. And there is a difference in being in the world and being of the world. And I pray tonight that uh, the Lord will uh, keep your ears for the next few moments. I pray that uh, it'll not be something or not anything that will happen that would distract you because I'll be honest with you tonight, it's a real burden to my heart. I'm not just preaching to be preaching a sermon tonight, but it's a real burden on my heart about the families and the individuals that are in our church tonight that you and I do not let worldliness get a hold of us. Now, Uh, When you think about this text tonight, I want you to see that there is a word of caution in verse number 15. As John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So he is giving us a word of caution here that uh, you and I are to be careful about how we view this world, how we live in this world, and how we handle ourselves while that we are in this world. Now, you and I know that we're just passing through. This world is not our home tonight, amen? We're not here for eternity. We're just here for a little while. And if a man or a woman could live to be a hundred years old in eternity, in the light of eternity, that is nothing, amen? It's not even a shadow when you think about it. And so while we're here, there's a word of caution to not get sucked in uh, as a child of God by the things uh, of this world. And not only is there a word of caution, but I see here in verse number 16 that there's a word of clarity. As he said, for all that is in the world. You know, I'm glad the Bible tells us what's in this world, amen? Now, here's what's in this world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, uh, and the pride of life. So why would God tell us and caution us uh, uh, to not love this world? Here's the reason why. Because when you think about what the world consists of, those are not the things that you and I need in our life, amen? We don't need the lust of the flesh uh, and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, uh, but that is what the world is consumed with and what the world is made of. So there's a word of caution and then there's a word of clarity. But then I want you to see something else. In verse number 17, there's a word of corruption. Notice what he said. And the world passeth away. Amen. You know why you and I don't need to love the world tonight? Because the world's not here to stay, friend. 
The world is passing away. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people that are saved and some that claim to be saved, but John is talking to same people. There's a lot of same people tonight that, listen, they've got so caught up and so consumed in the things of this world that they're loving this world, they're living for this world, they're longing for this world. And friend, all the while, the things that they're gathering up and the things that their goals and their ambitions are set upon, the Bible is clear that all the money, all the things, all the material things of this world, it's just gonna pass away one of these days. You think about the house you and I live in. One day somebody else will occupy that house. And one day that house will rot to the ground. It's not for eternity. You think about the cars that we uh, drive, the clothes that we wear, uh, they're not here. So one day someone will box all them clothes up uh, and they'll throw them in the, uh, they'll take them to the Goodwill or they'll throw them in the dumpster somewhere. Uh, they're just passing away. Uh, you think about all those uh, uh, pictures and all those accolades and plaques and trophies uh, uh, that have memories and mean so much to you and I today. Uh, somewhere, somewhere's down the line, somebody will look at those pictures and say, well, who in the world are these people, amen? We don't need them anymore and they'll just toss them and they'll get rid of those things that we, that we esteem so valuable. You know why? Because the world is passing away. He talks about a word of corruption, amen? And in this same text tonight, John gives us five things concerning worldliness tonight. I'm talking about the waywardness of worldliness. Now listen to me for just a moment. Don't let worldliness get a hold of you tonight. And if you know someone that's going the way of the world, pray for them. But don't be influenced by them tonight. Don't follow their footsteps. It doesn't matter how much they make it sound. They may make the world sound attractive and they may make the world sound so enticing and they may make you think that uh, they're right with God but yet they're in the world uh, and that they've kindly uh, set themselves free from some of the things uh, and the boundaries but don't you follow that. Uh, that's my friend, a deceptive path. Uh, the happiest people you're ever gonna meet on planet earth uh, are not church going people but they're dedicated people to Christ. Amen. There's a lot of church going people today that they want you to think that you can have the world in one hand and God in the other hand and you can have the best of both worlds but can I tell you something about them two worlds? They don't mix, friend. Amen. It's all or nothing. My friend, it's one way or the other. It's go with God or it's go with the world. They've always been enemies and they always will be and friend, you'll never meet a happy worldly saved person. Amen. Saved people that live in this world are bound. In fact, it's so, so strange that they leave the pathway of God and go into the pathway of worldliness thinking that that's a pathway of freedom. But the end result is they live in bondage. They'll say certain things and uh, you know what I have learned down through the years, I haven't learned much, but one of the things I've learned that if you're right, you don't have to defend yourself. And when you're right, you don't have to argue about what you believe or where you stand. It's just, it's just peaceful, amen, when you know. And it's not that I'm right or that you're right or the church is right, but what is right is this book is right, amen. And I don't care how many people go a different way of worldliness. It doesn't matter how, listen, I, I may still love them and I may still care about them and may still pray for them and I'm sure you do too. Uh, but if they're going that way, by the grace of God, they'll have to go without me. Somebody say amen. I don't want to follow that. 
that way. If it's a family member, if it's a friend, if it's another church member, if it's another preacher, you just gotta let them go on and do what they're gonna do and love them, but don't get caught up. Don't be influenced by those that follow the path of worldliness tonight. Five things I want you to see here and we'll be done. Number one, I want you to see the Bible talks about a passion for this world. As he says in verse 15, love not the world. John talks about the world in this text, but he talks about a passion, a love for this world. Now, here's the question tonight. Why would anybody that is saved and that has been saved out of the world, why would they still love this world? And the answer is very simple tonight. Every one of us can love this world because we've came from this world. We came from the dust of this ground. The very material that wraps our soul and our spirit, our body tonight is made from the dust of this ground. This flesh came from this world and so the world is ingrained in our fiber, it's ingrained in our being tonight and so therefore it's easier and it's more natural for you and I tonight to love the world than it is to love the things of God. Now if you're saved, the difference is this is that the Holy Spirit deals with you and that while the flesh may love the world the spirit that is alive in a saved person loves the spiritual things of God a person that is dead to the things of God only knows one kind of love and that's the love for this world. They may be in church and they may have a lot of things and lists of things that they do and don't do and they may talk like us and act like us and even look like us but the difference is there's no love in their heart for the things of God. You ought to ask yourself this question tonight. Who do you love more? Do you love God more or the things of this world? Amen. Are you living for this world or are you living for God? And in this text, uh, there is a, he talks about the passion for this world love not the world neither the things that are in the world now when you consider that tonight what it tells me is this is that it's very, it's very possible for me to love the things that are in this world you ever heard this statement people say we do this we I say we because we probably all do it but sometimes we'll make statements like well I just love fishing or I love uh, I don't know why anybody would say I love golf, but obviously there are work people that do. I said that up in one church, and a man really got mad. He really got mad after church. And he came to me after church in the four years, and he come up to me, and he said, uh, he said, I can't believe you don't like golf. I said, sir, I'm saved, amen, and I, I was cutting up with him, but he wasn't cutting up, and uh, I said, well, I said, I'm sorry if I offended you, but I said, I just, I mean, that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, amen, uh, one way or the other, uh, but you know what? People say, I love this. I, I love hunting. I love fishing. I love it, and I understand uh, that we use that word very casually. It doesn't always mean that. But if you and I are not careful, what can happen is we can create such a passion for something that God may have gave us to enjoy in life, but he didn't give it to us to consume life. Isn't that right? There's nothing wrong. You can make a God. I can make a God out of anything whenever I start giving and devoting my heart and my time and my will to that. Amen. So we should love nothing more than we love God tonight. What did the Bible say about the last days? That they would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You call a fall festival, people get excited about it. They don't ever get excited about church, isn't that right? 
You call whatever you want to say that's something of this world. People get excited about those things, but do they get excited about spiritual things? Amen. And so there's a passion. He talks about a passion for this world. And then he talks about a possibility in this world. Look at the next phrase there. I underline this phrase in my Bible. He said, if any man love the world, if any man love the world, I underline that little phrase, if any man love the world because in that little phrase there's the possibility any man that means there's the possibility tonight no matter who we are from the pulpit all the way down to the pew from the youngest to the eldest tonight they listen it doesn't matter how many times or how many years we've been serving God it doesn't matter how much Bible we know it doesn't matter listen what we've accomplished for God I'm here to tell you tonight there's always at any moment at any second at any time at any day there is the potential there's the possibility that you and I could turn our hearts from the, uh, from the spiritual things of God and be turned unto this world, amen. I think one of the dangerous things is that we have too much confidence in what we do, amen. Brother, I'm telling you, there's been people passed through the church. They stood hard on worldliness for years only to find out one day they went that way. I've heard people criticize other people because they were worldly. You know something about a spiritual person, they'll never criticize somebody that may be living a worldly life. Doesn't mean that they approve of it, doesn't mean they're gonna agree with it, but a spiritual person will pray for weaker saints, they won't criticize them. A young, uh, a young uh, immature Christian may, uh, may boast in their convictions and standards for a while because it's new, it's fresh to them and they think that it makes them closer to God. They think that, it, and don't get me wrong, those are important things in our life, but you can have those things and my point is, as I've seen young Christians get saved, get on fire for God and boy, God start working in their life and they start selling out and they start giving up, giving up all them things that they ought to be giving up and that's wonderful. But all of a sudden, Brother Laddie, they're more spiritual than any of us. Y'all ever met anybody like that? And they'll start looking at people and say, well, you know, I wonder why they, why they still do these things. I'm interested in what you're gonna do 20 years from now. Amen. Taking a stand when you first get right is there will be some longevity in serving God. I'm gonna tell you something. A lot of people make bold statements, but... God, it, it, life will, will really determine what we're made of. When your best friends walk the way of the world, will you stay with God? When that, that, that young lady that you like starts going the way of the world, will you lose her and go the way with God? That young man, we could all use them illustrations tonight. Worldliness and our, our devotion to God is going to be tested in not what we say, but in what we do. Now, what we say is important, but if what we do doesn't back up what we say, then it doesn't mean a hill of beans. Isn't that right? When your children are coming up, it's good to have convictions and standards when, when they're small and when they're, when they're little children and, and it's but don't boast in them things because I tell you, the battle intensifies when they start getting 13 and 14 and 15. I tell you, it's then we find out what we're really made of. And even after they're grown and gone, when them grandchildren come along, they may walk in the ways that you raised your children and they may not. But I tell you, somewhere's down the line, you've got to make your mind up that even if it's my son, my daughter, if it's my grandson or my granddaughter, I'm not compromising, I'm not changing, I'm not selling out. 
I'm not giving in. I'm not doing away with everything I've stood on just because I love them. I'm talking about there is a possibility at all times. Amen. I heard we had a fog machine for the plague. Don't get nervous. I wanted to get here early enough to see it, but I didn't get here early enough to see it. And uh, somebody doesn't come up to me. It's Brother Andrew. I'll just expose him. Amen. So preacher, we got a fog machine. I said, it's going to be in the sermon tonight. It's going to be great. I'm just kidding. But I want to tell you something. The possibility of this church changing could be at any moment. For 59 years almost, it stood strong. But there's no guarantee that 30 days from now, you saw a preacher, that couldn't happen here. I'm going to tell you, it's happened to way better churches. Brother, all it takes is for corruption to start in one area of the church. All it's got to do is weasel its way into leadership or, or a, a, you know, find its way into a, a group of people. I don't think that's here tonight, but I think we ought to think about that from time to time. We ought to consider the possibility that how it is today, it could not be that way tomorrow. I don't want to go that way, and by the grace of God, we're not going that way, amen? But at the same time, I want to tread carefully and lightly right there knowing that there are men and women greater than any of us that has fallen Pray to that same, uh, to that same very sin of compromise, and has let the world filter in. Uh, I'm talking about. He said, "If any man love the world, and the love of the Father is not in him, we must uh, cautiously walk through life and consider the fact that at any moment, any of you could compromise." I thought about that this afternoon. How do people change when they've stood this way? What makes them change? You sit down with enough of them, you start thinking that way. What, what makes, now some people are probably not saved. But I wouldn't say that about most of them. What is it? It's a slow fade. What happens is the devil gets you to give up a little here and a little bit there. He lets you see nothing wrong with this and then you don't see anything wrong with that. What, here's what really gets you. Your heart for God, your hunger. Your love for the things of God begins to dwindle. I'll close with one thought here at the end of this message. I'm not closing now, but I'll close at the end of this message with this one thought concerning that. But I want you to see this. The devil, don't mind your list. He don't mind my list tonight of do's and don'ts. It doesn't bother him a bit. He don't care that I'm King James. He don't care that we don't believe in country music. He don't care that we don't listen to rock music. Now, those are all good things to have in your life, but the devil doesn't care about that. You know what the devil cares most about, Brother Jeff? Is that you don't love God like you're supposed to love him. Because the reason I don't love country music is because I love the Lord. And God don't love country music. Boy, it got quiet right there. But I know none of y'all listen to country music. Amen. Because you don't listen to adultery and drinking and smoking and gambling and all that kind of sin and you don't listen to that and, and, and then go pray. Can I get an amen right there? That's right. And it's as bad as rock music, isn't it, tonight? But you know what? You, the devil, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care what your wardrobe is or is not tonight. 
doesn't bother him about those standards of dress. That, that's, not, that's not real. I've seen people that, that had high dress standards, and I'm for very high dress standards. Somebody say amen. But I've seen people that had very high dress standards, but the problem was they no longer love God like they used to love God. That's what the devil's after. If he can get that passion, that love for God to die, and you to get that emptiness and start, then he knows that if you are doing things things without a, a passion, doing things without a love for God, then the possibility of anything could happen in your life. That's what it's all about tonight. It's what John's writing about. If any man love the world, here's the end result of that, the tragedy of that verse, that text. The love of the Father is not in. doesn't mean he's not saved. It means he don't love God like he should. I see here the passion for this world, the possibility in this world, and then the principles of the world. Look what he said in verse number 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and then the pride of life. When you think about that tonight, the lust of the flesh has to do with self, doesn't it? Then the lust of the eyes has to do with sight, what we see. And then the pride of life has to do with spirit. And do you see that, that when a person becomes real self-centered and they begin to think about themselves, you know who they're not thinking about? They're not thinking about God. They're making decisions based on what they want rather than what God wants in their life. And so they're living a selfish life, a self-centered life. They may still be going to church and they may not be doing a lot of worldly things, but that is a worldly thing to be self-centered and to be stubborn and to be full of rebellion and want what you want. You say, well, I'm not... I'm not stiffening my neck and I'm not balling up my fist, no. But self-centeredness is stubbornness. It is rebellion within itself. And, and they listen, the lust of the flesh leads to the lust of the eye. They start looking at things different because they're living a self-centered life. And so they begin to view things not in the light of what God wants, but in what they want. And so they're making decisions based off what they see. And they'll even make statements like this. Well, I just don't see anything wrong with that anymore. You ever heard that statement? Took me a long time to catch on to that, but after you hear it long enough, I started thinking they really don't see. It's not what we see that says if something's right or wrong. It's what God said. Amen? Oh, there's a lot of things my flesh said. I don't see nothing wrong with that. But what about this? What does God say about that? What did that book say? I don't have to see it if God said it. It may look perfectly good. I'm sure when Eve looked at that fruit, it looked very good. It looked very enticing. It may have even looked like other fruit that was hanging there. And she might have thought, well, I, I've partaken of this tree and nothing has happened. And, and this fruit looks innocent. This fruit doesn't look like anything. But you know what the devil questioned? He didn't question what she saw. He questioned what God said. Amen. And the premise of everything that you and I choose in our life ought to not be off what we see. It ought to be off what God has said. I'll tell you, my friend, the principles of this world is about self-centeredness. The principles of this world is make your decisions off what you see. It has to do with sight. It has to do with self. And then it has to do with your spirit, the pride of life. You know, this is a, this is a formula that never changes. 
When people start making decisions off the lust of their flesh and they're going with the flesh and what the flesh wants to do, then they don't see anything wrong with it and it's the lust of the eye. Well, I see, I think it's gonna, as far as I can see, everything's gonna come out okay, preacher. And then comes the pride of life in. Counsel comes, you try to help them, you try to lead them in the right way and they'll say, you know what, nobody's gonna tell me what I'm gonna do. Or preacher, I know you said that, but I'm just not gonna, that's just not the way I'm going. That's a pride of life, friend. Tonight, we all have to be careful of that. A good rebuke will help every one of us. You know that? A spiritual man rebuked me one time. I'm going to tell you something about that rebuke. It stung me pretty hard. I was done pastor. Done pastor in this church. I still was pastor in this church. He rebuked me, and I'm going to tell you, it stung me for days, weeks. It stung me. I never forgot it, but I'll tell you something else. It was a changing point in my life. I didn't like it, Brother Lighty, at the moment, but I'll tell you, I look back on that. I thank God for it. It wasn't a big matter probably to a lot of people, but it would have changed the way I pastored in some ways. He gave me that rebuke, and it helped my, it hurt my pride, but it helped my spirit tonight. I think about the the principles of this world. Then let me give you this tonight. Not only the principles of this world, but notice the the peril of this world. What is the peril of this world? I saved this one. I skipped it on purpose because he said in verse number 15, he said, if any man love the world, now here's the peril. The love of the Father is not in him. You know why John is saying don't love the world? Here's, Here's the reason. Because it affects your relationship with God. If you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I don't want to love this world. Let me tell you how not to love this world. Continually build your relationship with the Lord. You see tonight, if you say, well, I'm gonna, if you, let's take Brother Laddie tonight, and if you say, well, I look at Brother Laddie's life and he's a good example and he loves the Lord and he comes to church and he testifies and he seems to have victory in his life and, and he's a good man and loves God and, and so I'm gonna do what Brother Laddie does. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna learn some things and there's nothing wrong. I think you ought to learn from good godly examples but here's the thing. If all you do is just learn what he does and, and you just, you say, well, I'm doing the same thing Brother Laddie's doing now and you know I'm not doing these things and I'm not doing this and Brother Laddie prays and so I pray he reads his Bible this many chapters a day so I'm reading my Bible hey that's commendable but I'm telling you something the missing link in that testimony right there is he's doing it because he loves the Lord there's a relationship he's not doing it because he has to he's not doing it to be seen but there's a relationship a fellowship if you don't do it because there's a relationship you'll run out you'll burn out after a while, it'll just fizzle out in your life. But if you're doing that because, hey, I want a closer walk with God. I want to walk with God more than the things of this world. The things of this world have grown dim in my sight. And I want a closer relationship with him. And it's just sweet fellowship. Hey, that love, that passion will keep you from the perils of this world. Do you know what will happen? If all you have is a bunch of rules and no relationship. You'll quit one day or you'll change. I wonder tonight, how's your relationship with God? How rich is that walk with God? Do you read your Bible? 
Do you pray? Do you talk to God? Is it personal? Do you have a personal relationship? I mean, do you meet with God every day? Do you, do you have a prayer list tonight, a prayer life? So why are you preaching that, preacher? Because if you don't, worldliness will get you. You may hold off for a while, but I'll tell you what keeps a man. Think about that man that, that the Bible said in Psalms 1, he doesn't walk in the council, he doesn't stand in the way of sinners, he don't sit in the scene of scornful. Why is that? Because his delight. Where's that delight? Why is that man not hanging with that crowd? Verse 1. Because his delight's in the law of the Lord. That's the book, amen. And in his law, in that book, you know what he's doing? He's meditating day and night. He's, listen, that crowd may come by and he says, listen, I really don't want to sit and see the scornful. Why don't you come on over here? We're having a good time and, and we're enjoying the things of, of this world. Now, I'll be honest with you, I ain't got no time for that. Well, why don't you have time for that? Well, because I, I'm busy. I, I've got my mind on something a whole lot better than what y'all are doing over there. It's the things of God. It's that book. I, I'm meditating in that book day and night. I tell you, you get that word of God in you. The Bible said, let it dwell in you richly. If you get the word of God in your heart and it really takes root in your life. It'll make your relationship richer. Amen. You ought to study it, read it, memorize it, meditate upon it. I mean, listen, fill your life full of the book. And I'll tell you what, serving God will be a passion in your life. Amen. How's your relationship tonight with God? And then there's the passing of this world. The world passeth away and the lust thereof. But watch this. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Do you know tonight what the will of God is for every one of us? Number one, the will of God is that we all be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4, who will have all men to be saved. I believe that, don't you? I'm not a Calvinist. Amen. I reject that doctrine 1,000%, don't you? Nobody becomes a Calvinist by reading the Bible. You have to read other Calvinists to become a Calvinist. Amen. Nobody became one by reading the Word of God. I believe who will have all men to be saved. It's the will of God that every man be saved. It's the will of God that every man uh, be separated. Amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, Paul said, I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then he said this, and be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's the will of God for all men to be saved. It's the will of God for all men to be separated. And then it's the will of God for all men to be spirit-filled. Amen. The Bible talks about that, that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter number five. Amen. That is the, the good and the pleasant will of God for all of our life. Amen. Listen, tonight, the world is passing away. But if we do the will of God, if we get saved, I think we ought to be saved. Amen. If you know you're saved, you ought to praise God for that tonight. And then listen, now that you're saved, you ought to go a step further. You ought to separate from this world. Amen. Come out from among this world and be a separate, saith the world. Don't live like the world. Don't look like the world. Don't talk like the world. You ought to be different. Amen. You ought to listen. Come out from this world. Hallelujah. But when you come out, you have to come to a relationship with God or you're miserable. The reason tonight there are things that we don't do you know why that is? I don't want to do those things because it grieves God. And when it grieves God, it grieves me. And tonight I want to ask you this question. 
Have you sold out to God? Have you surrendered to Him tonight? You say, preacher, I did that years ago. That's wonderful, but you ought to guard against worldliness. Our churches today as a whole, I'm not indicting this church, but I'm not so foolish to think it's not here. Our churches are so worldly today. Hear me tonight, mom and dad. If you live a worldly life, your children will pay dearly for that. Is that true tonight? You know what the devil will try to get you to do? He'll try to get you to leave this old-fashioned church. It's all preacher. Ain't no chance of me leaving this church. I'm going to tell you something, friend. He could, if he could get me to leave this church, he would do it tonight. Just because you've not been tempted with it yet, mark it down. If the day ever comes, you ought to stand fast. When your children get older, they get old enough to go to prom, they get old enough to be a cheerleader. They get old enough to, to play, be captain of the football team. You ought to stand fast. Don't you sell out for the world. And I'm going to tell you, we're living in a day when that's become a religion. It makes people upset when you preach that. Can I tell you my side of it, why I preach against that? Because I've watched too many people destroy their lives. I've watched too many, let me tell you young men, I've watched too many young men score a touchdown and think they're the next Herschel Walker. And the problem is they give their heart to the world. And a lot of them never come back. I'm telling you, the closer we get to the end, the tighter this thing's going to get. And mom and dad, don't you get upset about that tonight. Don't you get, listen, don't you get all upset because I said something about football. Amen. It'll cost you more if you go that way tonight. I'm going to tell you, my children's raised, and they could, one of them's here tonight, and I pray more for them now than I ever have. I wish I'd have prayed more for them as they were growing up. Because I know the devil, if he could ruin them right now tonight, he'd do that. You can't never quit praying for your children. But I'm going to tell you something tonight that I can raise my hand and testify and my wife can tonight. I thank God that I never put them in all those worldly things. I thank God for that tonight. I'm glad I didn't push them to, to, to be a cheerleader. I'm glad, I'm glad that we didn't put them in gymnastics. Amen. I know where all that stuff's headed to. I'm glad we didn't take them down there and let them join some dance, dance, whatever you want. I don't even know what you call it. I'm glad I didn't take them down there and put them in Little League or, or, or put them down there in some ball team. I, you say, well, preacher, I don't like that. I, I really don't care tonight. I really don't care. I'm not being mean. I'm telling you, if you could just sit down in my office a few times, you'd, you'd fully understand why I'm saying what I'm saying tonight. I'm not being critical of people who have, but I am telling you tonight, I'm telling you with a King James Bible in my hand, I thank God we kept our children away from the things of this world. I'm going to tell you why tonight. You say, preacher, you think all that stuff's terrible? I'm not saying it's all terrible, but I'm going to tell you something about it. The pull of it 
is stronger than they can handle. The pull. I'm going to tell you what football is about. It's more than a touchdown. It's more than what you see on that ball field. It's the atmosphere. It's the mentality. It's what comes with it. It's the pride, the arrogancy, the spirit of competition. Who can be number one? The spotlight. That's what all that stuff's about tonight. And the pull of that on a teenager in their prime and in the biggest battle of their youth, the biggest battle they're ever going to face, I'm going to tell you what it'll lead to. It'll lead to a path of wrong decisions most of the time. And if your child made it through that, you ought to thank God that they're the exception, not the rule tonight. Why would, we, why would you want to gamble? I know you don't, but why would you want to gamble with him tonight? That pull, that is suck him in. Never get him back. Tonight as we stand, the waywardness of worldliness. Mom and dad, you want your children to live for God. It's got to be real at home. He's got to be real. I'm not talking about the rules. I'm talking about that relationship, that personal walk with God. That's got to be real. It's got to be regular. You love your children tonight. Keep a personal prayer life. Stay in that book. Stay godly. Keep them things out of your life that, that would hinder you. Go home. Clean some things out. Get rid of some things. Don't listen to people. Don't you follow don't you listen to what people say. Look at people's lives. Look at the road they're going down. Look at the decisions that they're making. And ask yourself, is that really the way you want to go? Look at other people. Look at the path they've went. Look at, look at how their life has turned out. Is that really how you want your life to turn out? Do you want your children's life? you you got an opportunity right now. You're faced with an opportunity. And I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing you'll ever put on this altar that'll... Ever, that you'll ever regret giving up for God tonight. I really believe, Brother Laddie, if we could get some parents in our, and I'm not talking about Bible, I'm talking about, it, I'm talking about everywhere we go. I really believe if we could get some mamas and daddies to just say, not going that way. God's going to be real. My home is going to be real. My life, we'll have family altar. We're going to pray. We'll have personal walk, personal devotion. I, I, think, I think the children would follow. Amen. It's going to have to take some separation tonight while Brother David sings. If you need to come, you obey God.